Hello there. Welcome to the Christ Covenant Sermon Talkback. The Sermon Talkback is a chance for pastors and members of Christ Covenant to process the sermon, ask questions to the preacher, and more practically apply the content of the sermon. If you have a question for the Sermon Talkback, please text it to the text to pastor line at 678-951-9041, or you can ask through Twitter by tweeting to Jason directly at Jason Edwin Dees. Enjoy. Welcome to the Christ Covenant Sermon Talkback. I'm here today, my name is Jason Dees, and I'm here today with two of our very favorites at Christ Covenant, Blake Rogers, and Hello. our very own Tara Thompson, Woo! known to some of you as Tara Shikadance. But very few. Tara Shikadance, of course, got married in 2017, becoming Tara Thompson. Um, <laughs> but we have been in a series, guys, we just finished it up. We've been walking through the book of Genesis, and uh, we say we're doing Genesis in three parts. We did a part in February. We've got another part in October, but this was Genesis Act 2, where we looked at the life of Abraham. Uh, we began in Genesis 12. We went through Genesis 22. I'm just curious, thoughts, comments you guys had? Uh, did you get anything out of the sermons? How were they helpful? Um, what are your immediate kind of reflections? Um, yeah, I mean, I, th I thought it was very helpful. Um, you know, I, I think... You know, it, it's interesting um, to hear about the life of Abraham in particular in light of how God moves uh, his covenant throughout history. And I feel like um, we were encouraged uh, each week to, you know, and, and really you, you sought to apply these things to how God has fulfilled uh, his promises made to Abraham and Jesus. And so it's it interesting to hear, um, be reminded of that. And I think for me, hearing any sermon on the Old Testament, it reminds me of my childhood. When I heard sermons on the Old Testament, they usually talked about, well, you need to be a better Abraham or a better Moses or whatever. And so even yesterday's sermon about Abraham sacrificing his only son, instead of, instead of you teaching us, well, we just need to be a better Abraham and, and just have faith that the Lord is going to be able to raise the dead. Instead, you brought us back to really just the gospel, which is what we need to hear in every single sermon. So I love hearing that from you. Uh, well, I appreciate that. And, and uh, yeah, what I want everybody to see in all of these Old Testament stories, uh, Tara, to your point, is just over and over and over throughout the Old Testament, there is a, there's a tension. Mm -hmm. There is something that's unfulfilled. There is something that is unsettled in all of these stories. Um, it, it is the Old Testament is begging for the gospel. Yeah. It's, it's begging for the fulfillment of all of these things. That's right. Um, and, you know, I think if, if all we had was the Old Testament, it would be hard to see these things, even though um, Abraham is seeing pictures, signs, shadows, images, and he's obviously figuring things out. I mean, mm -hmm. one of the things that we said yesterday was that Abraham reasoned God could raise the dead. Yeah. Well, how did he, how did he know that? You know, like, why did he reason that? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, God revealed himself to him, you know, and I think, um, you know, Jesus obviously is the fulfillment of all the promises of God. They find their yes and amen uh, in him, but the character of God does not change. He's always been a God who can raise 
um, people from the dead. And in fact, he was going to do the greatest uh, thing in world history in raising his own son from the dead, mm -hmm. uh, who lived a perfect righteous life. Um, but God revealed himself, his character, his promises, his covenant mm. um, to Abraham. And Abraham knew God. Yeah. yeah. And, and trusted him. And God had already been faithful to Abraham, had already shown his faithfulness with providing a son at such an old age. Yeah. So he had already seen the proof of God to be faithful. That was another really interesting thing uh, just to think about in the life of Abraham. Uh, he was an idolater, right? Right. He came up out of the land of Ur, known for pagan worship. Um, he was a man who lacked the means um, in and of himself for God to actually fulfill his promises. So like Abraham in and of himself was a tool. He was a vessel in God's, in God's plan. Um, and no doubt he had the responsibility of responding to um, God's covenant uh, proposed to him. He, he had to move forward in faith. But he lacked so many resources to actually see this thing fulfilled. Right. And yet God provided continually, uh, just reinforcing his character, reinforcing. Um, well, that, and that's something I wanted everybody to see in the, in the story, uh, in the narrative, is, is how God is always pursuing Abraham. And I think teaching him the gospel story, too. So God revealed himself to Abraham, but we actually see God revealing himself to Abraham in a lot of the text. So Abraham being the chosen one that would leave his homeland. Okay, well, what is that? That is a picture of the chosen one, the son of God who would leave his homeland to come and redeem us. Um, God showing Abraham the sacrifice of the covenant with the animals being cut in half um, and then going in between them. Well, that's a picture of the blood sacrifice that was required in order for a covenant to be made. Uh, I mean, even things like God giving Abraham an offspring. Well, that's a picture of the growing kingdom of God. The, the fact that the kingdom of God is passed from one generation to another and is multiplied throughout the generations. And of course, Abraham reasoning that God could raise the dead, uh, that of course God did one day do with Christ. It's as if God is demonstrating to Abraham, not just his faithfulness in a general way, but his gospel faithfulness, mm -hmm. um, that he was, he was showing Abraham Jesus in all of these narratives and all of these events that Abraham was having to endure. Mm -hmm. So what did you want us to get, you know, as our pastor, as you prepared, what were like the main takeaways from each of these four sermons that you wanted us to walk out with? Yeah, it's, it's hard to know exactly what everybody's going to get out of every sermon. Uh, and especially with narrative preaching, it's, it's, it's hard to know when and what is going to hit each individual person. Um, I think a lot of it just depends on where people are and, and what people are coming in with. Um, but just some big ideas. I mean, the first sermon on call and the call of Abraham, I wanted people to see that they are called. Uh, that the Christian life is a life of calling, that every one of us has been called. And we've been called away from, in many cases, what is comfortable and normal and regular to something for the Lord, mm -hmm. to, to serve the Lord faithfully and, uh, and to desire obedience to the call of God, even if it's a very simple call or a costly call. Um, uh, the second sermon we talked about, Covenant, 
I wanted people there to see that God pursues his people, that God has provided a way of covenant with us. It's not, it's not our obedience. It's not our righteousness. It's not our rituals that enter into a covenant. It's God who actually has made a way for the covenant. We just respond by faith in him. Uh, in the third sermon, we talked about sign, the covenant sign of Abraham. And uh, I wanted people to, um, to realize that we need signs and symbols and signposts in order to stay faithful in this life. Uh, and of course, our modern covenant sign, like circumcision, is baptism. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted people to, A, understand the importance of circumcision in those times, but B, understand the importance of modern circumcision, which is baptism. And then in this week's sermon, we talked about Abraham sacrificing his son. Um, I wanted to, I, I wanted people to see a couple of different things, but one of them that I wanted people to see was Abraham's maturity. Throughout the sermon, if you guys remember, I was kind of comparing Genesis 22 with Genesis 17. So in Genesis 17, God comes to Abraham and says, I'm your shield, I'm your great reward. And Abraham says, basically, that's not enough. In Genesis 22, God says, everything that you are counting on as your shield, as your reward, your son Isaac, I actually want you to sacrifice him, and Abraham does. And so one of the things that I wanted, or at least he, he's willing to obey God, obviously. So one of the things that I want people to see is that um, Abraham is growing, that, that God's efforts to pursue and call Abraham to himself are effective. Uh, and Abraham is growing in his faith. So that's just, those are a couple of things that I wanted people yeah. to see and, and, and hopefully to be like in their responses. Yeah. Um, and, and obviously, like, we had the great, like, opportunity of baptizing two people um, along with this series, which yeah. was just a great reminder of those things. I feel like uh, having that experience together as a church family just kind of reinforced um, much of what was said uh, in the pulpit. Was there, were there things that you didn't get to yeah. that you would have liked to get to have gotten well, to? Well, a couple of things even from yesterday's sermon, uh, um, from this week's sermon on Genesis 22. Uh, first of all, I actually had a, a comment with somebody last night that I thought was interesting. You know, he, he said he had some sermon notes on this passage, Genesis 22, from other sermons. And he said that, you know, the, 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 the preacher had said, you know, immediate faithfulness, resolute faithfulness, consistent faithfulness. And obviously in this particular story, Abraham shows, if you're just looking at this isolated passage, but that's not necessarily the arc of Abraham's right. life. And so obviously I brought this out, but I don't want anybody to miss this. It's kind of what Tara was saying earlier. We don't study Abraham because he was this great hero uh, we study him because he had a great God who was mm -hmm. pursuing him, who was calling him to himself, um, and who was being so steadfast to Abraham, despite Abraham's big time mess ups and big time uh, faithlessness. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's one thing. Another thing, even from yesterday, that I didn't bring out, but I was thinking about the embarrassment of Abraham. Uh, you know, I, I don't know what the conversation went like with his family when he left uh, the Ur of the Chaldeans. Um, but I can imagine that he said to his family, guys, I'm going to have an offspring and he's going to be the father. I'm going to be the father of a great nation. I have all these kids and my offspring are going to bless the whole world. And then, of course, it, it's not for 25 years yeah. for that offspring to come. 
And that was embarrassing. It was humiliating. It required incredible patience. Um, and I just want to say, even to people listening now, I hope that you caught this in the sermons and I hope you catch it now. Like, um, sometimes we don't see the end of God's promises uh, for a long time. It could be yeah. a year. It could be 25 years. It could be uh, not until we see Jesus face to face. But will we be found faithful to them on the last day? Yeah. Uh, that's, the, that's the big question. And I think with this story, we see Abraham was, you know, when, when, when push came to shove at the end, he, he obeyed. Yeah. And he's committed good. for it. Mm -hmm. Any other thoughts from things that you wish we could have, you could have gotten to um, as you walk through uh, this text with us? I wish I could have spent a little more time on the call uh, sermon the first week. Uh, I, I wish there's a lot of things that after that sermon, I was like, man, I wish I would have drawn this out. Just talking more about you know how God is calling us. What does a call of God look like? How do we discern God's calling for our lives? Mm -hmm. um, and so that's some things that um, I feel like I kind of missed. Just a couple of notes on on that big question: How do you discern God's will for your life? I think we've got a sermon series, or at least well, we, a do, we do have a sermon coming. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so yeah, that's going to be super helpful. But just a couple little notes, real quick. First of all, um, in terms of discerning God's will, obedience and faithfulness to what God has revealed uh, will set a course for your life uh, in terms of what God's will is. Uh, I was mentioning to Blake earlier that I was having a conversation with a couple in our church that desired to serve the Lord on the mission field. Well, you don't have to, if God's giving you that desire, um, you know, we know that's a good desire. Um, you don't have to discern, is this a good to right desire? Because God wants to make himself known in every nation. Mm -hmm. um, and they're just being so obedient to the call of God's life that is so in line with God's great mission uh, of making himself known. Mm -hmm. um, so that's one thing to discern on calling. I think being a part of a church, having elders, having a community group that can help you discern God's calling in your life, that's a part of God's calling. And what I want to say too about God's calling is that most Christian obedience involves doing the same simple things over and over and over and over and over again mm -hmm. for a really long time. Yeah, I think mo I think Christians, I mean, in myself included, we think, okay, well, God's called me. Something big's going to happen. It's going to happen immediate, and everybody's going to know that God's in this. And that may that may happen. I'm not discounting that it doesn't happen some of the time, but at least what Abraham shows us is that he never was a general of an army. He never wrote a book. He never had a huge crowd. He never had any of these things. He had a child and raised that child faithfully. And it took 25 years for that child to be mm. born. So the things that we love about Abraham so much are for the most part, pretty simple things. Uh, and it was his consistent faithfulness to those things. Obviously he had fears along the way he's been saying, but when he was faithful to those things, God was glorified. God was honored. And I think it's the same for us. Are you being faithful with the few and simple things mm -hmm. uh, that God has given you? Don't come to your church leaders. Don't come before the Lord saying, I need something big. I need something important. I need something significant. Just start doing the things that you know God wants you, wants you to do. Just start doing the things that are going to be beneficial in your That's church. Right. And if you have those desires, I love that you mentioned that couple. Um, I just feel like they did just the right thing 
they have this desire um, that the Lord has birthed within them uh, to maybe go to the mission field, and then they go to their church family. Right. They go to their leaders, and they say, you know, what do, do you, you see? see this? Do you see yeah. this? Is this good? Is this bad? And, you know, are we possibly a good fit for this? And they're kind of humbly submitting themselves to the wisdom of the church community around them. I think it's a beautiful thing. Right. And I would just encourage everybody in our church family, um, as you are wrestling through, um, you know, desires that, that, that seem to be God-giving desires, look to see them confirmed in the community. Mm. Uh, God has given us the grace of his people around us to help us in this life. And uh, we rob ourselves of many of the graces of God when we um, go throughout life alone. And so voice those, speak, speak those, pursue um, truth and community with one another. And I would just say too, I would just add to that, Blake, just kind of echoing on the same thing. Just start doing now the thing that needs to be done. You know, mm -hmm. I think a lot of people, they, they desire spiritual significance. They desire to, to be some great thing and to do some great thing. And when I say a lot of people, I mean kind of everyone. Like everybody wants significance. Everybody wants to do something important. Um, and, you know, I think of a story of a, of a famous preacher. I won't say who, but just a famous preacher that, you know, wanted to become a famous preacher. Or he wanted to become a preacher. He, he, he went to his pastor and um, he said, look, I feel called to preaching. I wanted this big ministry. And you know what the pastor did? And I love this. He let him start leading the fifth grade boys. Mm -hmm. That's good. And the guy started leading the fifth grade boys and there was only like five fifth grade boys in the class. And he went back to the pastor and he said, no, no, you don't understand. I'm called to be like a great preacher. I'm called to do these great things. And this guy did go on to do great things. And the pastor said, well, if you can't lead five fifth grade boys, how are you ever gonna, mm -hmm. how are you ever gonna do these great things? And I think that's just a great lesson for, and, and this guy yeah. did go on, he, he, he heeded his pastor's advice. But I just think that's a great thing for all of us. Like, if you wanna do significant things for the Lord, if you wanna do things that you perceive to be great, just do the little thing that's right in front of you and God will multiply that. Yeah, well, and I just wanna add on that too, an encouragement to you, Jason, and to the listener who says, well, I don't feel this incredible calling on my life. I think in your sermon on call, you did talk about like the first and most essential call to be a child of God and to emulate Christ. The simple calling that every single believer has to emulate Christ, to, um, to be a brother and a sister to our believer. And so if you're not feeling this incredible call on your life, the call is, according to Romans 12, uh, which is the will of God for you, which is good and acceptable and perfect. So we all do have the same call, no matter how majestic it may seem. We do have the call that you mentioned in your first sermon to which, be a child of God. Which is, which is an amazing call. Right. Yeah, it's amazing. Which it is. And, and, you know, we would all be probably lying if we... I uh, didn't, you know, at times struggle to realize and live uh, in the the greatness of that. Sure. But to 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 think about, reflect on the fact that the God of the universe, who controls every molecule, um, who is holy, He loves us. Yeah, that is amazing. Yeah, I mean, I think we fail to believe that, and we mm -hmm. think we'll really be special if. Um, you know, we get another like on Facebook or something, or, or we do something that people notice. Um, God notices, mm -hmm. and Him noticing uh, 
if, if he really is noting, it, you know, you would say here, that should be enough. Well, it is enough. We should just realize that it is enough. Yeah. Um, it, it, if you really understood that God caring about your life, that God, the God of the universe cares about your life, then that would be enough. It's just, it's meditating on that, it's understanding that, it's, it's having the, 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 the gospel plant itself deeper and further in your, in your heart and life. So easy to forget, um, especially when we fail to do um, Bible study. Yeah. Personal devotion. Um, just a plug for personal devotion here. Mm -hmm. um, the well, world, the world is coming at us and, and teaching yeah. us an ideology. Uh, it has a firmly held ideology. Um, and, and people, Christians, people, it must be people of the word who renew our minds daily to remind ourselves of, of who we are, who God is, in order to live uh, with the weight of the kind of calling that we have as believers. And I think, I mean, just in terms of, and I know we probably need to re wrap up, but just in terms of what, what practical thing uh, can we take away from this, you know, and I'll let, you know, I'd like to hear y'all's reflections too. But for me, the, the story of Abraham is about a man that is sometimes very faithful and sometimes very unfaithful but who is always being called back into the gospel, always mm. being called back into the story that God wants to tell in his life. And I would just say for you and for me and for all of us, like pursue what it is, mm. you know, pursue whatever it is that calls you back into the story. And so whether that's personal devotion, I mean, that should be part of it, whether that's being in community with other believers that are challenging you, praying for you, whether that's being in corporate worship, whether that's serving, you know, I was just thinking about this morning uh, up at kids camp. We got our kids camp going on this week and I was looking at all the people serving and I was thinking, man, you guys are amazing. I mean, y'all are all, all these people are serving, they're giving of their time, they're giving of their energy. And then as I was thinking that thought, I thought to myself, but you know what? Like how many times in your life do you get to purely give yourself to someone else without really expecting anything in return. Mm -hmm. There should be a lot of opportunities, but this is a great opportunity for that. And I just thought about, man, these little kids are gonna be so affected and shaped by these people that are freely giving themselves. And if you're doing that, you know, because it's not like we're paying these people. It's not like you, 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 you have to get caught up in the story of God expanding and doing a kingdom work on earth in order to even be motivated to do that. So for some of us, it's serving. Um, for some of it's going overseas on mission and seeing what God's doing. So, so there's a lot of different disciplines or ways that we can, can be invited back into this story. But I, I think in terms of just the most practical takeaway, what is it in your life that's going to call you back in? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, you know, one of the practical applications is, uh, from last night on sacrifice, you know, God obviously gave Abraham a son. And it is a great thing to have a son. I mean, this this is uh, his image bearer. This is something that he ought to take uh, great joy and pride in. Um, but uh, he was found faithful not to um, hold his son as an idol above God yeah. and his promises. And I think it's just a good reminder to all of us um, that our hearts are idol factories. Um, we oft look to things for that which only God can provide. And um, it's just good to 
to, to know yourself, to know, to know God, to know yourself, and to um, look to repent of, of holding on to idols. Yeah. The idol of love. And I would just, like, are you willing to do something that your family wouldn't like mm. in order to obey God? Mm -hmm. Because God would like it. You know, are you willing to, to do something that might even be shameful and embarrassing for your family in order to obey God? Mm. A lot of us, at least those of us, Texas, Georgia, Alabama, mm -hmm. I mean, those of us that grew up in states like that, we've not been asked to do a lot of that. That's um, true. Most of us. But some of us have. And certainly people that grew up in context of other religions, certainly people that, and, and people are facing that right now uh, with a shifting culture. Um, uh, you know, I mean, parents are even facing that. Uh, sometimes parents have children that despise their faith, their parents' faith. Okay, well, as a parent, are you gonna be like Abraham that loved God supremely, or are you gonna love your child supremely? Um, and again, don't hear me wrong. Like I love my children, um, but children can become a stumbling block and parents can become a stumbling block and brothers and sisters and work and just like everything else. And so seeing those idols in our life and rooting them out, uh, is, is a big part of the Christian life. Yeah. And I think another application, um, for us as a church family is that we are participants in this continued covenant. Um, in this continued promise that God initially made to Abraham. Um, he says, and in, in, I'm just looking at the scriptures here, Genesis 17, verse 4, Behold, my covenant is with you. You shall be the father of a multitude of nations. Mm -hmm. um, I think as Christians, um, God is has invited us into this story whereby he is making himself known to the nations, uh, to the people in your neighborhood, to the people beside you. Um, mm -hmm on on the plane he's invited you into uh participate in this story uh that certainly will be fulfilled yeah. because uh his will won't be thwarted the thing mm -hmm. that god started way back when when he went to a man in ur and said hey i want you to go to this other place i'm gonna give you a son later you don't know this yet but i'm gonna ask you to sacrifice the son i'm gonna see if you really love me of course would have the son the son would have a son, that son would have 12 sons, a nation would be born. Eventually from that nation, Jesus would come. He would make disciples. This would go from being a national uh, or familial covenant to a global covenant. And slowly but surely the whole world would be blessed mm -hmm. from that calling. And that's obviously taken place now over 4,000 years. Mm -hmm. But you today, where you sit, Blake, you today, where you sit, Tara, I, where I sit, we are actually the fulfillment mm -hmm. of that story. We're not just looking at this as a different story. We're actually looking at this as our story that we're now walking out. And if anything, I, I hope that, you know, practically that's a takeaway that mm -hmm. we're telling our own story here and we're finding ourselves in this story that God's been telling for a really, really long time. Mm -hmm. So guys, thanks for this. This was a good conversation. It was yeah, helpful for you. me even to process it. So for Tara, the former Shikadance, now Thompson and Blake Rogers, I'm Jason Dees. Thanks for listening. <laughs>